Hi, this is Mimi and welcome to my podcast, The Lovely Becoming. Today's guest is Arielle Astoria, who is a poet, author, and speaker who I adore. I'm so excited to have you on. Hi, Arielle. Hi, thank you for having me. Yeah, um, tell us about yourself. What do you do? What do you love? Yeah, I am, like you said, I'm a poet, a speaker, an author, a writer, storyteller, dropped out of a few other things as well. Just <laughs> overall, I think creative. Um, I write words and feel feelings. I like to say that I'm a professional feeler in the in the business of pulling on heartstrings. Um, I like to encourage people to feel and feel deeply. Um, I love Adele and breakfast burritos and my husband and um yeah being outside the beach is like my go-to if I don't go at least like twice a month and I don't know who I am um so that is a necessity <laughs> for me as well and um yeah I'm a huge fan of car karaoke's and yeah I love all of that I love <laughs> and burritos and that's yes. <laughs> mm -hmm. wow um so just jumping right in, um, mm -hmm. what are your earliest memories around writing? Mm. Yeah, I've always processed the world best through writing. I'm an, I'm an internal, verbal, and written processor. Like, I have to do all three in order to find resolve or any type of like clarity for myself. So it's not really until I write it down on paper that I feel like, ah, oh, okay. I can face this, I can encounter this, I can experience this, whatever it may be. So um, yeah, writing has always been a, a go-to for me growing up. I had lots of journals. I journaled about everything, every day, always. And when I started to write more poetry and things like that, it was just a way of, you know, talking about crushes or expressing what I learned that day or navigating through faith and, and body and everything in between. And so I have a very, I've always had a very close relationship with writing and then it became less of a thing that was private and for myself. And I like to say that, you know, God kind of took my journal pages and breathed on them and gave them to the world. And so then it became a more public thing and, and more of a gift for other people. So, um, yeah, writing's kind of always been a very close thing for me. Mm, I love that. And mm. how do you find yourself making it both public for other people, but also keeping some pieces for yourself? Yeah, um, I like to call it protecting my personhood. There's like a balance between, you know, vulnerability and exposing yourself um, with other people and sharing and being open about your story. But then there's also a need to kind of like guide and protect yourself in, in certain seasons. And so um, I definitely have pieces and poems that are just for me, you know, that I just share with my husband or um, that I just, you know, for the longest time, it would just be my mom. I would just only show my mom. And so <laughs> there are some things I don't post. There are some things I don't share because either it's not the time to or they're more for me than they are for an audience. And so really finding that balance of like, where do these words best serve? Um, sometimes they best serve uh, individually. Sometimes they best serve for you solely. And so knowing um, and differentiating when when those times are super important mm. I think that's huge because there was this push I feel like in the past couple of years for vulnerability which kind of meant sharing everything about yourself all the time being a truth teller mm -hmm. but I think mm -hmm. there's such a beauty in keeping some for yourself and for your people that are closest to you and building that yeah yeah, yeah. And I think it also just 
our social medias have become these journal spaces, you know, where we're just putting out everything that maybe should just be with our counselor or maybe should just be with their spouses or maybe should just be with their families. But we find that solidarity in those virtual communities, which is so beautiful. Um, but then also knowing and finding the balance of like when that's necessary, you know, and when it's, and when it's not. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. How and why do you practice body kindness? Mm, I love that body kindness because it's not about like always loving or accepting our bodies. Sometimes those are hard things to do, but body kindness is something that you should incorporate all the time. That's so beautiful. Um, yeah, I mean, body kindness for me today was I'd worked out yesterday morning and then my husband and I went on this very long walk and both of our legs were like jiggly and after and I just wanted to lay down. So I told myself, I was like, it's okay if you don't have the energy to just wake up the next morning and work out, you know, so I didn't work out this morning and that was being kind to my body, you know, like I'll, I'll do a little stretch. Um, I might go for another quick little walk with with him today but for the most part just like listening to my body is a huge part of kindness towards it and um, what is it that it needs asking those questions and um, reciprocating accordingly you know and so um yeah that and just like learning you know twofold when I do need to move, you know, when I do need to stretch, when I do need to dance it out um, and be really intentional with those things, or you probably should eat lunch right now, you know, like little things like that. Just constant listening to my body, I think is a practice that I've been trying to be more intentional when it comes to body kindness. Yeah. yeah. And yeah. if you, as much as you feel comfortable sharing or as little, but what was your relationship with your body like growing up and how has it changed? Mm -hmm. Oh my goodness. It's changed. It's changed drastically. I, I grew up really insecure in my body, just like not knowing how to be home here. Um, I looked like my dad for most of growing up and for for uh, reference, my dad is an ex-football player, so he is built like one, and so it wasn't the most affectionate thing um, to also be built like like an ex-football player. So I was always bigger than my friends, than the boys, and just everyone, and so I always felt them too big, um, both in body, both in voice, both, both in existence, both in presence. And so um, I was just really, I hid a lot. I would wear like, I had this one camouflage maxi skirt that I got from Costco and that was like my staple. And I, and I think about it now and it's like, oh, you, you literally were trying to hide. Like that's what camouflage is. It's, it's, it's literally a pattern to cause you to hide and to blend in. And I wanted to do that so bad, even though I don't think I was really made to, you know, but the fear of showing up, the fear of being too much, the fear of not being loved or accepted was so tangible and so real. And so I hid a lot. Um, I like to say that I was a professional wallflower. Like I knew how to just kind of disappear. Um, and uh, that was all just because I didn't know how to be in my body. I didn't know how to not tug and pull at the skin um, at this home that I now, you know, I'm so um, intentional and precious towards. And so um, there's definitely a growth in between that where it was like, you know, being more confident in my skin. And um, that really started with social media and, and being asked to, you know, model swimsuits. And I was like, you want me to put a two piece on this body? And it was just so 
wild to me. And I'm like, well, if this brand trusts me to wear their swimsuit, clearly there's something good here. You know, clearly I have something to offer here. So that confidence really started to develop a little bit more. I started changing my fashion and wearing things that not, you know, that fit one, but then also colors and that felt right. And that felt like my personality. And then, and then I met my now husband and, and he just loved all of me to my fullness and not just wrecked me all over again of like you think you know yourself you know until you meet your partner and and they see you in a whole different way and it allows so much gratitude and beauty towards how you operate in this world so um yeah him reminding me of of how he sees me is just like a constant gentle thing of like even if I do have a day where I'm like oh I feel like a potato he he never fails you know to miss an opportunity to tell me like I think you're the most beautiful woman in the world and he says that constantly and so um not that you need that affirmation but sometimes it's nice to hear yeah yeah I love that I think everybody's journeys are so different but it it Mm -hmm. often starts off with body hate and Mm -hmm. the shame around how we feel and how we look in our bodies and and when we realize that they're our home and our one and only it shifts you know in our hearts and, and in our minds yeah absolutely and then just like gentleness you know I love I love that phrasing you said of body kindness like this we have one home we will only ever have one home one physical home that goes with us that cries with us, that carries our tensions and our griefs and all of it. And the least we could do is um, is pay attention to it, is to give gratitude for the way it holds us up constantly, you know, for the way it reminds us, like, you need to eat, you need to sleep, you need to take care of yourself. Like, it is like pretty much our bodies are like our constant nannies. Like, they're always taking care of us and they ask for nothing in return you know, and, and, and accept to be taken care of too. So I think that's something we often forget about. Yeah, absolutely. What does grief mean and look for you, like for you? Um, I think grief has to do with the way we've viewed our bodies in the past, the way that we, you know, experience life transitions and, and holding people close and having to let them go. But what does that look mm. like for you? Yeah, I was actually doing a chat with, um, with some ladies on on Clubhouse and we were talking about the gift of grief and what is the gift of grief and most of their stories were were about, you know, the grieving of losing someone. Um, but I then, you know, as the wordsmith that I am, I went out and looked up the definition of grief and it's not always um, a death of something, but it's a death or a loss of anything close to you and specifically something that has shaped your identity, which I thought was so interesting how specific that definition was. Um, because I think in this last year, all of us has had a sense of grieving something. We've all lost something in this last season. We have all um, grieved the death of something, an expectation, a hope, a dream, what our bodies can or cannot do. Like there's been a constant wave of grief. And so I think in this season, I have such a, um, a gratitude towards grief. I have, you know, such an attitude of what are you trying to teach me here? Um, that grief can be a teacher, that grief can be um, not only something that guides us but shapes us and so um, as much as I think I would like to fight it and I don't think I've ever been a fighter of grief or of sadness I'm an Enneagram 4 so I'm like welcome all of the emotions 
always is just kind of how I am. So when grief comes, I'm like, oh, this is, oh, this sucks. But like, I know you're trying to teach me something here. I know you're trying to shape me into something here. Um, and I will be intentional to listen to what that is and to lean into what that is. Yeah. I think when we kind of take away some of the morality around our feelings and the good and the bad about them and kind of lean into the idea that they are teaching us something and they're shaping us into something, it can really radically shift our perspective. Oh, absolutely. Because in that instance, it's like, oh, you're here to teach me something. Usually in that moment, you're, it, it requires the leaning in. It requires the listening. It's like, okay, let me get my notepad. You know, let me take in all that you're trying to show me here. And so it definitely shifts our posture um, when it is a space of learning. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. What affirmations are giving you life in this particular season? Mm so many um i think i was i'm just now coming out of a heavy space of comparison and i was like really wrestling with that space and i was my full-on drama mode kicked in and i was like oh i'm just gonna quit i'm gonna be something else and um i think the affirmation i had to keep coming back to uh was um that i I have also broken glass ceilings, you know, and that my time is not done yet. Um, And really reminding myself of like, my gifts have value. Um, My voice has purpose and um, and my presence holds holds space, you know, and just like really reminding myself of those things. Um, And then also another one is just um, I'm, I'm deserving and worthy of rest is like a huge thing. I'm a, I'm a goer, a doer. I do not like holding still. I do not like <laughs> not doing things. And this season has really forced me into stillness, which has been so beautiful and so nerve wracking at the same time. So just giving myself a permission of like, it's Tuesday. You don't have to be up at 7 a.m. just for the sake of being up at 7 a.m. You know, like, what are, are you up for a reason? And so I've just been really having that um, permission of reminding myself, like, you are worthy and deserving of rest um, has been a really big one, too. Yeah. That's awesome. I really like those notes you had on your Instagram, I think, yesterday. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, those were beautiful. And I think we just mm-hmm. need reminders all the time. We're mm-hmm. such forgetful people. And it's important mm. to have those affirmations and those truths reminded to us mm. frequently. Yeah, that's so good. I love that. Mm. How do you handle negative comments? Because I know Instagram, mm. social media is sometimes a really mean place. And I just want to know, like, what do you do with those comments and that feedback? Yeah. Well, I mean, people will always have their opinions. Um, I definitely have gotten to the point where I'm like, these are words of people who do not know me. I have to constantly remind myself of that. They don't know me. They might think that they do within this digital virtual space, but you, they don't know me. So why are you going to give so much weight and so much space to people who don't actually know you? And I, Astoria is my middle name. Um, so I'm like, they don't even know your last name. Like they truly don't know you. Um, and so reminding myself of that, reminding myself that I am not here or meant to serve everyone. Um, that would be really exhausting if that were the case. So those who are receiving um, and being encouraged by what I have to say, 
focus on them, focus on that. Um, and um, yeah, my, my husband is, why do you pay attention to them or just unfollow them or just delete it? He's just so like unfazed usually <laughs> by everyone. So he's a great reminder because I will get stuck and I'll be like, well, they said this and is that true? And then I start second guessing, you know, and he'll just be like, delete it, block them, forget them. And I'm like, mm-hmm, you're right. So he's a great bring me back to um, reality person as well. Um, and so, yeah, I think it usually is just a reminder of like, these are not people I'm meant to serve and that's okay. Um, at the end of the day, they don't know you and their opinions are only off of a fraction of what they think they know. And when you just start to like really pull back the layers of that, um, it kind of just releases the tension that's there to, to uphold any other standard pretty much. Yeah. Absolutely. That's so helpful. I think even with my small account, I still get some comments that hurt and like worse yeah you're so right I think it matters that like they don't know me and they don't know my Mm -hmm. intentions or my Mm -hmm. story or my heart behind things yeah yeah that's good and constantly reminding yourself of like you're not doing it for them you know like it's part of the process but you're not you're not doing it for the people who are just going to hate on what you do. You know, Brene Brown says like, if you're not in the ring getting knocked out, you don't get to talk to me about being in the ring, you know? And so just like, I love, I kind of like paraphrased it, but that was the gist of it of like, if they're not in the ring with you, they do not get to tell you how you can and cannot fight. Like that's not how that works. So I just think of that um, quote all the time. Yeah. 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 How do you balance, I know we talked a little bit about rest before um, Mm -hmm. and really making that a priority. Um, How do you balance rest and activism? Mm, That's so good. Um, There's a Instagram account called the Nap Ministry that talks a lot about this. And I'm just quoting, you know, Odd Lord about um, the conversation of like rest is, is the revolution. You know, rest is the, is, is the act, is the social justice in itself. You know, like if we are burnt out and trying to fight for something, uh, it serves, it doesn't serve us and it doesn't serve the cause we're trying to fight. And so, I'm learning when to step back is really important, knowing that you're not carrying the weight or the responsibility all on our own. There's a team, there's a community of people where it's like, okay, you can't carry that right now. I can and vice versa, you know, and um, really giving that permission, um, knowing that not everyone deserves explanation or reasoning all the time. Like you are allowed to take that space and that time for yourself. Um, and yeah, I think the cause and the work will always be there. That's the thing. Like we are constantly making strides. Um, but I think there will always be work to do and there will always be causes to, to stand and fight for, um, which even more so means you can take your time to rest and come back to it because it will be there for you to keep fighting for. And um, yeah, really sitting with that reminder. Yeah. And I think transformative work takes time. And so it's important yeah. to remember that it's going to be a long hauled haul, like battle. Mm-hmm. And it's not going to be short and quick, like these marathon sprints or anything. Like no. That. Yeah. And I think good work is meant to take 
the time, you know, like good transformational, transformative work is going to take time. We want it to take time and really being patient, you know, with that time frame, which can be um, difficult at times, but, but necessary. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Coming back to your husband and the role that he plays in your life, um, what does marriage mean to you? Oh my goodness. Marriage is like, it's from what I know in my, um, you know, I think we're like eight, eight or nine months in now. I'm not quite to a year, which is really, really fun. But in what I know now, I mean, it's this constant reminder of like, we're on the same team. Like there's a whole world out there that will throw stuff at us that will cause us to forget who we are and and who we are to each other and it's our duty as each other's um, partners to remind each other of those things um to to be the biggest advocates for each other's well-being for each other's growth for each other's success um and yeah i think you know my 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 husband is one of he calls himself one of my my biggest fans you know and that's in the sense of he will always be an encourager for me he will always be a space i can go to to remind myself to why I keep going um, and for what reasons to keep going and, you know, vice versa, I would hope for him. And so, yeah, it's like, it's more than just, you know, a person you can cuddle with all the time. Like it, it, they are your mirrors. They are your challengers um, in the best possible way. And it is to foster and fuel your growth um, because we should be ever growing people. And I think relationships really, um, especially marriage relationships, really pull that out of us. Mm. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I'm not married, but <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> I know we can learn a lot from oh, people. For sure. Yeah, it's very fun. It's fun, but we love learning from other people as well, too, because we know we're like, we have no idea what we're doing. We're just going day to day, you know, and then we have the pandemic on our side, which has been its own journey, but um, yeah, yeah. Yes, this past year, as everyone knows, it's just been one on top of the other. (sighs) It has been a year. It's been a few years all in one, it feels like, (laughs) sometimes. (laughs) Yeah. Oh my goodness. Um, speaking to all different types of relationships that you have, um, what is your approach to managing conflict and setting boundaries with your people? Um, Mm. as someone who's going to be a therapist, I think those are super important, but hard. (laughs) So hard. I mean, let's first talk about how difficult those things are to do, you know, and there's a lot of cute you know graphics and reminders of like set your boundaries respect your boundaries and you're just like yeah but let's talk about how hard it is to implement those things and how much um oppression sometimes will come against you trying to establish those boundaries like let's talk about that and it is hard you know but they're necessary i think in getting married, there was a lot of boundaries that I had to put. I'm the oldest child. Um, I'm one of five. I'm, I'm the oldest child and one of five kids. So I was the first to get married. And, you know, my family is very close knit. So just establishing what that looks like, what that untethering looks like is was so hard. It was like a grieving process all on its own. But they're so necessary. I think 
we assume that that boundaries are roadblocks, but they're actually bridges, you know, in relationships. They're actually, you know, healing aspects that, you know, kind of put in place. Okay, this is not functioning well. This is not working well for us. So we need this boundary here um, so that we can continue to grow and foster this thing that we both cherish and value. And um, yeah, you might get some, you might get some headbutting, you, you know, you might get some oppositions, but that's even more so reason of like, no, I understand that I'm doing this, not just as a selfish preservation, but to preserve this relationship between us and um, really reiterating that as you're creating those um, boundaries, because they are, we need them, you know, they are necessary um, and you can only go so long without them. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. They definitely yeah. are necessary. Absolutely. No matter if you like yeah. them or not. <laughs> Um, a fun question. Um, what are your favorite foods? Oh my gosh. So I mentioned breakfast burritos earlier, not just trails into all breakfast foods. I love, I love anything from a waffle to, um, um, uh, the eggs Benedict, but with scrambled eggs or hard poached eggs, cause I hate running eggs or avocado toast or pancakes or French toast. Yeah. Breakfast is like my go-to. I, I love breakfast. Um, and then I'm a sweet, I'm a sweet tooth person too. So give me a brownie and a cookie, give me some Oreos, give me, you know, um, some type of pie or cake, give me that over savory things, um, any day. Mm -hmm. Me too. I also yes. do not like runny eggs at all. Mm -mm, can't do it. Nope. Cannot do it. Mm -mm. I wish I could, but <laughs> me too. It always looks so fun and so cute. And you're like, Oh, look at your little eggs Benedict. But the moment you poke it and there's something coming out, I'm like, no, thank you. Yeah. No, thank you. Mm -hmm. yes. Maybe one day. <laughs> Maybe one day I'll get bougie enough and old enough to not be freaked out by any ache. Doubtful, but maybe. Oh goodness. <laughs> Um, and the question I like to ask all my um, guests on this podcast is open-ended, um, but mm. how are you becoming? Mm, that's beautiful. Yeah, I'm actually writing um, a book right now, and it's called The Unfolding, which is, I think, my word for becoming. Um, I love those slow motion videos of like a sunset or a sunrise and you watch the flowers or the leaves or the trees start to do this like awakening thing, this like slow blooming and opening thing. And I feel like that is what I'm doing as a person, just like being able to open um, all the layers, all the petals of who I am um, without fear of how or how it will not be perceived um, and just finding that permission to unfold that whatever that may look like whether whether that be you know the journey with my body or being in a relationship and and a little bit about that or um you know my conversations about faith and all of the above and just really just in this space of like unfolding every layer um and and learning to become what i you know interpret as a fullness of myself in this present moment of like i feel um like i have reached a certain peak in this season of like this is who Ariel sits and lives and breathes as in this season today you know because there's always growth and there's always change but I feel like I've gotten to a point where I'm like this is me right now I found her we're living we're vibing um until I have to lose her and find her all over again mm -hmm. wow 
That's yeah. beautiful. All of your words are so well thought out and said, and I just Thank so appreciate you. you taking the time. Thank you. Thanks for having me. You are a joy to chat with. You, you yourself are so full of wisdom. So thank you for these amazing questions. Yay.